This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. We all hunger to find meaning, and yet meaning can feel big, awkward, and mysterious. And how do we find meaning in all the small tasks that make up our ordinary lives? Hi, I'm Ashley Hales. Welcome to the Finding Holy Podcast, where we connect the dots between the things that matter and your everyday holy life. Thanks for being here. So many people have enjoyed the podcast. Thank you for leaving comments and reviews. We're getting great feedback. We're just four episodes in, and each guest has been a joy to speak with and has offered so much wisdom. This week is no different. My guest for episode five is Russ Ramsey. Russ Ramsey is the pastor of Christ Presbyterian Church Cool Springs in Nashville, Tennessee, where he lives with his wife and four children. He grew up in the fields of Indiana and studied at Taylor University and Covenant Theological Seminary. Russ is the author of the Retelling the Story series and Struck, One Christian's Reflections on Encountering Death, both published by InterVarsity Press. In episode five, we talk about the best burrito restaurant in Nashville and how to creatively engage social media through pursuing beauty. We also chat about our actual places and a few small steps to jog our imaginations as Christians. And of course, I ask about his laundry routine. Stick around. Russ has some great tips to share about how to approach scripture this Advent season. You won't want to miss it. And so here's my interview with Russ. I am super excited to welcome Russ Ramsey to the Finding Holy podcast today. Welcome, Russ. Hey, Ashley. How's it going? It's great. It's so exciting to be here. One of the first ways that I was kind of introduced to Russ Ramsey, besides the fact that he's a pastor in the same denomination that my husband pastors, was on Twitter through Art Wednesday. And if you haven't seen his Art Wednesday Twitter stuff, you definitely need to see it because what I love about it is that it's one way to kind of bring beauty into a medium that can feel like everyone's clamoring for attention. So I would love for you, Russ, just to start us off by telling us why you started Art Wednesday. Well, okay, so what it is, is I, um, every Wednesday I devote my social media feeds, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to posting a series of paintings or photos of sculptures or art mm-hmm. um, that all have some kind of a common thread. You know, they're either by the same artist or they are from... You know, I did one recently of paintings that had all been stolen at one point and then recovered. Um, And uh, yeah, so uh, but but the idea for it was I've loved art since I was since as early as I can remember. Um, But I'm not highbrow when it comes to art. I, Mm -hmm. I want people to love art and I want people to benefit from it. And, you know, I social media can just be a dark sad place <laughs> and uh and you know a place where we're, we're just not at our best and mm-hmm. um and, and I, I wanted to push back against the darkness a little bit by mm-hmm. just in 
introducing beauty into the social media stream and doing it on a regular basis. So, um, so I kind of used Wednesdays. It was arbitrary art Wednesday. I like the way it sounded. Um, and, uh, just have been doing that now for that is, for a year uh every wednesday tell us how you know how has that transformed your own practice of social media you know i think we can think like oh i'm going to you know remove all of these apps from my phone or time myself and all these different kind of tactics we use mm-hmm. to try to control yeah. our social media usage or to create beauty how has Art Wednesday kind of reshaped some of those habits of your, your Wednesdays? That is a great question. Um, so <laughs> one of the ways it's done it is, so I create the Art Wednesday posts and then schedule them for social media. So, um, you know, so I'll do sometimes three at a time and, and load them all up into, mm-hmm. you know, a, a scheduling app or something like that. And mm-hmm. and one of the things, I've never really thought about your question. It's a good one because one of the ways it's, it's affected the way I think about social media is when it comes to Art Wednesday, social media is just the tool I use to get that stuff out there. Mm-hmm. So um, so social media is, is a, a device to use in order to um, present these things that I spend time researching mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. writing writing about and digging into. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been really, really helpful for me because when you see social media as uh, the the point of interaction with people, then it, it can be a pretty unhealthy thing, I think, mm-hmm. at times. But when you see it just as a tool, mm-hmm. um, as, as something you can use to interact, but it's not the main thing, um, then it becomes a you know, then then you can use it for you can use it for good and, mm-hmm. and not just for um for finding your your you know your worth or or mm-hmm. um right. trying to trying to figure out how well in life you're doing right uh, right so it's follower funny, counts it's and funny. likes and retweets and <laughs> yeah <laughs> what have you. yeah and I, and I really and and I haven't really paid attention at all um to much of, I mean, I see the comments people make, but I never go through and count mm-hmm. up like how many people like this. And mm-hmm. part of it is because by the, by the time an Art Wednesday series goes live and they, they post about every hour and a half to two hours, a piece mm-hmm. of art will get posted. Um, so it'll start at around seven thirty in the morning and end at around seven at night. And so it happens all day long. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, by the time that stuff is going live, I will have moved on from it, um, Mm-hmm. And so I'm just I'm just seeing it show up, uh, and um, and so it's it's kind of fun just to just to see the interaction and hear from people, mm-hmm. but to realize oh yeah I'm not I'm I'm you really not to be super connected yeah. yes yeah 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 so Isn't it's just kind of happening yeah oh I love it yeah and I think you know it sounds like it's kind of reframed some of your online habits as well and here at the Finding mm-hmm. Holy podcast we really are trying to connect the dots between the things that matter in your everyday holy life and so I just wanted to draw attention to the one way Russ has done that through social media as just maybe a little piece of inspiration for our listeners to think about how might our very small choices about how we spend our time and scrolling through our phones or what what have you, how they can actually form us either into more generous, more beauty seeking people or, you know, mm-hmm. more self inward <laughs> focused people. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it strikes me too, Russ, as we're, as we're talking about this, that the vehicle for social media for your Art Wednesdays is really to recapture beauty, to tell good stories. Um, and so I wanted to think about that too, in terms of the story of your place. 
And this season, we're all talking about place and belonging and what does that look like. And besides curating art online, Russ is an author, he's a speaker, and he's a pastor. And they have recently launched a new site of Christ Presbyterian Church in Cool Springs. I saw some great, lovely photographs online. And I just wanted to talk to you a bit about your place. Where do you live? Tell us maybe in just a minute or two where you live, what Mm -hmm. it's like there so we can begin to imagine that with you. So I live in Nashville, Tennessee. I live on the um, southern side of town um, in an area called Brentwood, uh, which is near Franklin. And so Mm -hmm. if you know Nashville, I'm I'm on the southern side Um, and uh, close enough to downtown that I feel definitely like I'm, I'm a Nashvillian, mm-hmm. um, but also south enough that I feel that, uh, I, you know, I kind of live and move and, and work and shop um, in, in the suburbs. Mm. Um, and, uh, um, but I love it. It's such a good town. I love mm. this town. Mm. That's so great. So tell us maybe, what does it look like for you to spend an average day? How do you kind of belong to your place, whether that's you know, this downtown core of Nashville, or if mm-hmm. it's kind of the more suburban spot where you live, move and have your being. I love that. Yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm a lurker, you know, my job as a pastor, um, mm-hmm. afford, affords me the opportunity to spend a lot of my work days in coffee shops mm-hmm. and meeting with people, you know? Um, so I, I do a lot of, uh, very intentionally, I make sure that I, um, have walked into as many establishments as I possibly can, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. in the area where I, where I pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it's Nashville is is people refer to it as a big small town. That mm-hmm. it's it's pretty common to walk into a a coffee shop and to know by the time I leave to have seen three or four people that I know mm-hmm. um, because this this town is like that. It's a very mm-hmm. collaborative town, very entrepreneurial. A lot of people. Um, kind of work out of that third place idea, you know, of not the home, not the office, but that right. third place, the coffee mm-hmm. shop or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, uh, you know, part of what I want to do is I, I see a really important connection as a pastor to loving my city. Mm-hmm. And when I say loving my city, I don't mean lip service to, you know, um, I love my city because I love people and because I'm supposed to love people. I mean, right. This vague I mean abstract. Yeah. What I mean is I I love my city. I love this coffee shop. I know the owner of it. Mm -hmm. I know this pizza place. I know this taco truck, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and I go to Mm. live music and I, and I walk the parks and Mm -hmm. I spend time with people and, and um, you know, I, I, you know, I want to be the kind of person who, when somebody moves to town and says, do you know a good place for fill in the blank? Mm -hmm. I can say, I, I do. (laughs) Yeah. Let me tell you my favorite places. And, you know, here's a good place to go and here's something you should check out. And, Mm -hmm. um, I, I feel like as a pastor, it's important for me to know my city in order to love my city, which Mm -hmm. really is fundamental to loving anything, right? Right. Is is to know it. Um, and, uh, so that, that for me is that I love that I get to spend time, um, out and about in my town, getting to know it better all the time. Yes. I love that. So what is your favorite taco tracker restaurant? In Nashville. We, we have uh, we have this place called Baja Burrito um, nice. that is owned by a couple. They're believers, mm-hmm. and uh, the long story short is uh, it, it did really well early on. And some people came and said, "You want to franchise this thing?" And he said, "Yes." And they franchised it. 
and the franchises were terrible. And he had this pang of remorse and wanted to undo everything that had mm-hmm. just happened. And so he ended up buying back his original store um, at, a, at a significant loss uh, mm. and and starting it over again. And mm. um, and uh, they they just love the people, they love the neighborhood, the food is excellent, the environment is excellent, all these things that Christians should be doing mm-hmm. in, in their industry to, to love their town. This place mm-hmm. is kind of, it's it's exhibit A. I would point people to Baja Burrito as the perfect image of believers doing good in the world mm-hmm. um, through the way that they resource ingredients, to the way that they treat their employees, to the way that they care for their customers and interact with them and and uh and and it's they have a lot of fun uh and the food is just amazing so so baja burrito everybody all right okay if we're ever in nashville baja burrito it's on the list that is you know i think there there's so much to be said for christians who are simply loving their place by knowing it by digging into it Mm -hmm. um i write in my book finding holy in the suburbs a lot about that and it's just by choosing to be outside it's choosing to meet your neighbors it's choosing to walk the streets all of those things that you were talking about really help root us in our place because we can't know people or know a culture abstractly it's always very specific we'll be back to my interview with Russ in just a second The Finding Holy Podcast is a new podcast. It's so exciting to share the wisdom of my guests and offer it to you as a gift. And so I have a gift for you. Wouldn't you want to discuss some of these ideas with your friends? I would love it if you could share the link from this episode or any of the others on social media. Be sure to tag it, hashtag Finding Holy Podcast. Take a screenshot and email it to me at findingholypodcast at gmail.com. I'll be sure to send you out your own Finding Holy journal. So cool. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll look forward to your shares. Now, back to our interview with Russ. So you also um, have done a new series with University Press called Retelling the Story Series. Could you just tell us a bit about that? And what I would really love to hear from you, Russ, is maybe how something about like the story of your place connects with these stories of scripture that you're retelling in the, in these books. Yeah. So the series briefly is a retelling of the story of scripture from Eden to Rome. So um, it goes through the old Testament and then focuses on the, the nativity story and the life ministry, death and resurrection of Jesus. And then the book of Acts, the narrative of, of that story. And because so, mm-hmm. what I wanted to do is in a very narrative way, tell the arc of the story of the Bible. And the thing that really um, made me want to do this was being a pastor and realizing we live in a profoundly biblically illiterate mm-hmm. generation, mm-hmm. Uh, which is at which I don't say that as an insult. I say it in the truest sense that that most people have not read the Bible. Correct. So so biblically illiterate in that sense. Um, and and so I found pastoring in my context, my own people don't know a lot of them the story of the Bible. They you know if if you were to say place. Abraham, David, mm-hmm. and Noah on a timeline, they would struggle um, mm-hmm. to, to know how, how to do that. 
And I, I believe that story is, is, a, is a Trojan horse for truth. You can get mm-hmm. a lot past the gates of skepticism mm-hmm. and, um, and that by, by telling a story. And so, and most of scripture is story. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wanted to just capture that. And, and a lot of that is born out of a pastoral recognition of what the people I pastor need mm-hmm. um, is, a, is a basic understanding of the narrative of the Bible. Right. Um, so it if sounds, they're gonna under, yeah. If they're going to understand the teaching. Mm, so it sounds like, you know, th- this, this really arose out of a pastoral concern for your actual people, not just simply like, Hey, I like telling stories and I'm a writer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I wanted to be able to put this in the hands of people to say, read this, read it to your kids. Um, because, you know, I, I think there's there's something about when you engage with story that, you know, we hide scripture in the heart by way of the imagination. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so if you can if you can hear a story in a way where you can picture it, you know, hear um, uh, David, uh, you know, in his in his palace, mm-hmm. um you know, or or out 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 in the hills in Jerusalem, singing mm-hmm. these these psalms to God about His protection, and you and, and you've had the scene described for you. You can yes. you can almost smell the dust on the on the trail and the and the the sea and the in the breeze. You know mm-hmm. that that there's a there's a way that that kind of gets into you, and you yes. you begin to populate the scene with your imagination. And I think we're supposed to read scripture that way. Mm -hmm. I love that. So tell me, because here on the podcast, we really want to help make things practical because I, you know, I could theorize all about the imagination and gospel imagination. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? I'd love to hear from you. What does that look like practically for you? So is it the discipline of, you know, rewriting scripture and imaginatively, creatively, that kind of is one way for you to get it in your own body? Or what are some other maybe practical takeaways that you could offer our listeners about ways to engage the imagination, to engage story, but to make it something they can actually do? Yeah. Um, well, a, a number of ways is, let's just talk about scripture, how to do that with scripture. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, so one of the ways I would do that is approach scripture in maybe a different way than you normally do. So if you're somebody who your your traditional approach is to have a morning devotional where you you know maybe read a chapter or two and write in a journal. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe instead set aside an hour and just read the Gospel of Mark from front to back. Mm-hmm. You know, or mm-hmm. in, in one sitting, or one of the epistles. You know, like mm-hmm. when was the last time you read Philippians as a letter from mm-hmm. the beginning to the end? Um, read out loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a fundamentally different way to engage with scripture to, than, than reading yeah. quietly to yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen to scripture mm-hmm. audio recordings when you, when you drive, if you come at it different, I think, you know, yeah. I think there was, there was a theologian named Kenneth Bailey who said, uh, who wrote a lot about, um, parables and he said mm-hmm. part of his job in teaching the parables was to, his quote is to rescue truth from the jaws of familiarity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that you I think you it. know, and so you, and so you're not listening anymore. Mm-hmm. You have and to jog, so, uh, jog your mind. Yeah, yeah. You have to mix things up a little bit. And mm-hmm. so, and so, and there, there are some simple ways to do that. Um, just, just by listening or mm-hmm. reading out loud. So, and, and the other thing, uh, in terms of of really kind of sparking the imagination, is looking for detail in scripture because. Mm-hmm. Because scripture is written in thrift, it, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's it's very uh, thrifty in its language. It's yes. very sparse, mm-hmm. and so the details are there to help your imagination fill out the scene. Because mm-hmm. it's not going to give you a lot, but it's going to tell you enough things that you will 
uh, be able to then imagine. And so don't just skip over the little details, mm-hmm. but uh, this beautiful little detail at the end, it's in two of the Gospels. I think it's in Mark and John or Mark and Luke, um, where when Jesus leaves the upper room to go to Gethsemane, mm-hmm. Uh, so after he's done the Lord's Supper and he's dispatched Judas and Peter has said he would never deny him after all this stuff has happened mm-hmm. and he's going to the place where he's going to be, where he's going to sweat blood and be arrested and all that. Uh, it says, um, when they had sung a hymn, they left for the Mount of Olives. Mm-hmm. Another little detail right there that they ended the time in the upper room singing mm-hmm. is a fascinating detail yeah. because Jesus was the host of the meal. Um, he was leading his people through, mm-hmm. he's leading his disciples through a Passover Seder. And, mm-hmm. and so he would have led the song, yeah. which is just kind of an amazing thought that, right. that in this, in this moment of um, kind of bookended by stress, he has the, 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 the fortitude to sing of the faithfulness of the mm-hmm. Lord to an oppressed people. And, and uh, you know, That's details beautiful. like that are just, mm-hmm. they're everywhere in scripture mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. can skip over them, but but uh, they're worth kind of zeroing in on and maybe even consulting a study Bible or a, a commentary if you want to go bigger, um, just because a lot of those details carry with them a lot of freight. Yeah, I think that's great. What then would you do with, you know, these slower moments where you're able to pause over scripture to kind of enter the narrative story yourself imaginatively? Then what do we do with them? Well, Besides worshiping I think God. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I think you're. I think you're kind of doing it. Um, honestly, I think we can. We can overthink application of right. scripture sometimes. Yeah. Um, I read. I read something recently. I forget who said it. Um, but they said uh, scripture doesn't give us um, answers as mm-hmm. much as it gives us wisdom. Mm-hmm. And and there's a big difference between those. If you're looking at scripture for you know, tell me what to do. Sometimes right. it will, you know, sometimes it'll be really plain. Mm-hmm. Other times what it'll do is it'll just form you. It'll mm-hmm. form the way you think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll humble you. It'll temper, you know, mm-hmm. your uh, knee jerk reactions or, or your desires for things. Mm-hmm. And out of that, then will flow the application. I think, I think, you know, anybody who spent time with scripture, you know, that passage that says, you know, to, tells us to hide scripture in our hearts, mm-hmm. you know, part of, part of the wisdom of that is it comes up when we need it. Um, you know, a lot, if, you, if you have a lot of scripture um, right. in you, mm-hmm. uh, then, then as situations arise, you will have wisdom to draw on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, I think it's like anything. I think the Christian life is something that, you know, many people talk about the Christian life as something that we practice. And I think it's a great way to think about it. You know, that when you're reading scripture, you're practicing mm-hmm. the Christian faith. Right. Much in the, in the same the way that, a, that a, yeah, it's, it's, it, and it's very similar to the way, uh, you know, a, a cellist would practice the cello by mm-hmm. doing scales and mm-hmm. sitting in a chair or the way, mm-hmm. a, you know, a baseball player would go into a batting cage or something like that, that we, we practice the Christian faith by reading scripture, by mm-hmm. honing fundamentals mm-hmm. of the expression of what we do. Mm-hmm. And I think as we do that, we are not just equipping ourselves with um, little answers to little questions, but we're equipping ourselves with instinct. Yes. Uh, for how to live, uh, and living, um, it, living is hard. Yeah. It's hard to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, I just was reminded, like, um, we had a few years where my older kids were just 
totally obsessed with all things Harry Potter. And we read the whole series out loud as a family. Mm -hmm. And it became, you know, they were eating Harry Potter for breakfast, basically. And everything was imaginatively entering into that world. And, you know, the hope, right, is as parents, as pastors, as congregants, that we are we are creating imaginative experiences like that in some way that we are simply immersed in this world of scripture, of a larger story than, you know, our daily circumstances that shows us that we are headed towards God as our final home. That's how I try to, that's, that's my preaching style. Mm -hmm. I I really try to, I really try to tell stories Mm -hmm. and to use language to, um, well, to capture the imagination and to, and to, um, get people to place themselves in the scenes that they're, yes. that they're hearing. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite things to do. Mm, yeah. And so you've written a bunch of books on it too. And your book struck is all about your own story, but how it fits into a wider story of God's redemption and presence in the midst of suffering. What does that look like? I mean, so you're preaching stories, you're helping your congregants to see the goodness of the gospel story. What do you do when you you can't get into that story. What does it look like when, you know, there's lament and grief and pain and loss? How do you enter the story then? Um, well, uh, I think it's okay uh, to have seasons in our lives where we're just struggling to make connections. I think it's, I think it's important that, that there are other people that know we're struggling to make connections. We shouldn't do that alone. Um, but uh, I don't know. In my own experience, I found during seasons of lament uh, and suffering and sorrow that those are actually times when I maybe connect most deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's those times when things are kind of humming along and everything seems right. to be going okay uh, that I'm that I'm less likely to want to engage or I'm less likely right. to want to be known. Um, and uh, yeah, I I don't know, man. I I think that that um, you know so much of the learning and the growing that we do happens in the in-between, you know, it happens yeah. when we're making a transition or we're suffering something or we're upset by something or we lose something. Mm-hmm. Um, those seem to be the places where yeah. the Lord steps in um, with, uh, you know, life application and lessons and insights that we just, I don't know that we'd be open to right. um, in the same way um, in, if we were just, you know, feeling fine. Um, I love feeling fine. Uh, but, right. but, you know, I, I, but I also, I, I bless the name of the Lord for the suffering that he's yes. brought to me. Yes. No, I, I agree entirely. Um, you know, we're church planting and we're a few years in and yeah, those moments that are painful and hard and difficult have been the times when we have seen our abject need of Jesus and the gospel mm. has flourished in our own hearts even while we are humbled. <laughs> yes. Yes. So anyway, Russ, um, I want to ask you what I ask everybody else too is tell me your laundry routine. And the reason why I ask this, because it can feel a bit jarring, is here at the Finding Holy Podcast, we really want to connect the dots between the things that matter and our everyday lives. And we all have to do things mm-hmm. like to-do lists and cook dinner and wash the dishes and do the laundry. And if we can't figure mm-hmm. out what does the kingdom of God look like in our laundry, then really, what are we doing? <laughs> so the laundry <laughs> matters. And I have had some really fun responses to this question. Some people have no routine. Some people have a very regimented one. But I'd love to hear briefly, what, what do you do about the laundry? Well, um, 
My wife does almost all the laundry uh, mm-hmm. in our house. We have four kids, and so our washer and dryer are almost always going. Yes. Um, and uh, I am a minimalist when it comes to uh, laundry. I have almost all of my clothing is either black, blue, or gray. Nice. Um, it just makes life easier. Right. I don't have to worry about what I'm going to wear. Um, it's, <laughs> and I've kind of found my palette, uh, yeah. as, as, as it were. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, what's, I'm laughing because, because part of our laundry routine is me basically denying that laundry has to happen mm. um, to myself mm-hmm. and while my wife is doing loads. Of, so I have this little pile of dirty clothes next, yep. to the, next to my side of the bed that just kind of piles up and yeah. step on it when I get, when yeah. I get out of bed. And it's only, it's only when, when that pile is so big that there's really not much left in my closet that it needs that to I then move. Yeah. Which, which is 15 feet away. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I want to know then, what is it about, that you like what is going on in your soul here with the <laughs> with the idea that you <laughs> want to deny that laundry has to happen what is that about oh it's it it um i, I just don't i don't give much bandwidth to it you know like it, like in in my, and it's funny i have several things in my life that are this way mm-hmm. um finances are, are this way um laundry is this mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. uh you know renewing my tags for my car you know going to the right. dentist you know all all these things that are important but i just don't like yes. all that much yep um i, I tend it. i tend to sometimes just ignore them or pretend that they're they're not that urgent mm. um until they become until they become very urgent and uh, so i think what's happening in 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 my heart with that kind of thing <laughs> is i'm just finding ways to live with a fair amount of denial mm-hmm. um <laughs> and, and, uh, and, you know, to, and to, I mean, if I'm just being honest, I'm yeah. sure that to, to a certain degree, I'm, I'm taking advantage of the willingness of, of my wife and other people around me to, to intervene. Um, and, intervene. uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, and I know I do that and, uh, she would never say that if you asked her, but, but, uh, that's, that's. I, I know I do that. I count on her to rescue me from my laundry woes. Um, <laughs> so, so you know, laundry is kind of a thing that 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 uh, is is a thread that runs through our marriage. Yeah, yeah, I love that. No pun intended with right. the thread thing there. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> I love that. No, I think I think it's important, right, to interrogate all these little mundane mm-hmm. things and what are what are our actual yeah. attitudes of our heart that are displayed in these really small practical things. So thank yeah. you. I love it. And maybe, maybe you'll <laughs> your clothes faster to the hamper, right? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. I have a pile on my floor too. So. Right. Well, for the longest time, I didn't even have a dresser. Um, and she, you know, she said, you need a dresser. Like, I don't need a dresser. I can just, you know, it's all in my closet, but my closet was just completely you know, too much in it to, to be organized. Yeah. So eventually she just, she just got a dresser from Ikea, put it together. Turns out I love it. I love there having a go. dresser. It's there a, you go. It's a great thing. She the joys me. of marriage and helping yes. one another out. That is great. Um, well, thank you so much, Russ. It's been a pleasure to have you. Um, we'll make sure in the show notes to have links to all of his books. Um, and we'll have some of that great information about how to imaginatively engage in scripture, how some of these questions okay. really need to 
proceed from our actual context with actual people we know. And we mm-hmm. definitely want to yep. make sure that we uh, give your best Baja burrito information out to anyone who's in the Nashville area. So thanks so much, Russ, for being on. Appreciate it. This was fun. Thank you. Thanks. Every week on the Finding Holy podcast, I want to leave you with one small step, a small step that will allow you to take some of these conversations and bring them into your actual everyday holy life. So this week, for your small practical step, I'd simply encourage you to try something this Advent season a little differently. Let's jog our imaginations. It might be something like taking a different route home, frequenting a local business instead of just ordering online choosing to engage scripture differently, reading a gospel through the Advent season, or even trying to get your laundry into the laundry basket. Just kidding. (laughs) But here are Russ's tips for engaging scripture. Read a portion of scripture beginning to end. Read aloud or listen to scripture audio recordings. And when you read scripture, engage your imagination. Look for details. Remember, like he says, scripture gives us wisdom, not necessarily all the answers, but it does form the way we think it forms our loves and affections. And don't worry, all the information there written down so you can look at those questions is found in the show notes at aahales.com slash podcast. Thanks again for listening. And would you share with just one person something you loved in an episode of Finding Holy Podcast? That'd be fantastic. Go ahead and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Share a link to the episode, screenshot it, and don't forget, email it to me at findingholypodcast at gmail.com. I'll be sure to send you a little surprise in the mail. As always, thanks for being here. Remember, things matter, but so does the laundry. This episode was brought to you in part by Just These Guys. You know, a pastor and a psychologist team up to break down scripture and psychology, empowering you to transform by the renewing of your mind. Listen today at justtheseguys.podbean.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Just These Guys, you know.